Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another episode of Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Ladyboy Gigi. And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey guys, how's it going? And tonight our topic is on festivals put on by alternative communities, festivals and events. And before we get started on our topic, that's partly why we haven't put out a podcast lately, because we've had four festivals every other week. And we just got back this weekend from our last one. Putting together a festival, running Aphrodite's Temple at Festival, is a lot of work before, after, and in between and during. (laughs) But we get so much out of it, and I know the people that attend Aphrodite's Temple and attend our workshops, it really transforms our lives and their lives. And partly why I wanted to do this episode on what we do at festivals is give people an idea of what a festival is like and what we do. Some of the workshops we put on and some of the experiences. And I know the festivals we do, each one has kind of a different flavor. We do Burning Man, regional Burning Man events. We do pagan festivals. And we do kink and BDSM 
festivals. Is there anything you want to add to that? So I've been helping out Gigi for the last four years or so, put on Aphrodite's temple. And I would say, on average, we do somewhere between six to eight festivals a year. So we do them pretty often. And like Gigi was saying, there's a lot of variety between the different things that we do. And with each one, you get to know the regulars who regularly show up. And there's also new people at each one. So there's chances to reconnect with people that you might only get to see like once or twice a year and a lot of opportunities to see new people. And it's really, really amazing being a part of this. I know that there are times when someone comes into temple and they get what they need, a lot of what they need from what we're doing. And sometimes those people never show up again, and sometimes they become regulars, and And it's really powerful. Yeah, And sometimes they show up a few years, four or five years later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's really, really powerful. And I'm so honored to be a part of what we do, the experiences that we get to help people have and the changes that we get to make in people's lives. I'd kind of like to cover a little bit on how they differ a little bit, and then we'll cover how they're similar. I know that with the Burning Man community, we don't do as many workshops It's more about art and theme camps and and partying. Mm -hmm. But we do get to demonstrate stuff and do some performance art. Mm -hmm. And we'll do some BDSM scenes or sex scenes and people watch and then sometimes they'll get involved. A burner community is very interactive. It's not a spectator sport. But the reason we don't tend to do a lot of workshops at Burns is because people don't tend to pay attention to time at all. There might be certain things they want to do, but everyone gets so wrapped up in the event that they aren't really looking at their clock. And if there was something on the schedule, they might see it before the event and go like, oh, I want to do that. But then they'll be doing something completely different uh, when it's happening. And so we've just learned that it's better to go with the flow out there. And oftentimes people will walk in and go, well, what would you like to experience? And so we do a very spontaneous little mini workshop or show them how to do stuff. And I'd like that freedom of spontaneity and just having things happen, except for when we're asleep. Temple's pretty active day and night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like one of the nice things about doing it that way is 
we would never schedule a body image healing class at three o'clock in the morning. But if there's a group of people that happen to be there at three o'clock in the morning and that's what they really need at the time, we can do an impromptu class and the people that are there get a lot out of it. And they those people would not have shown up at a specific time for that class, but they were there when they needed it and we were able to pro- provide it. And also at Aphrodite's <laughs> Temple at burning events, often we'll just do something spontaneous as a performance art piece. I know there's been times when people have come into the temple and we just decided, hey, let's demonstrate sounds or let's do a role play, BDSM role play scene. And so it's really off the top of our heads. It's not pre-planned. And it's kind of nice to be off schedule and just Mm -hmm. go with the flow. (laughs) So what do you think about the pagan festivals? What makes those unique? I think the spiritual side of it. A lot of times there's a lot of different rituals going on and there's a there is some partying and there is the rebels fire and naked dancing around it and people are having good times but there's also planned workshops during the day but you have to put them on the schedule and so it's a more controlled environment in the sense that we know we have to put on this at such and such time and we get a group in and they get a lot out of it mm-hmm. and they're there because they saw it in the schedule and they really wanted that particular workshop mm-hmm. and i've done everything from Taoist genital massage workshops to oh you name it all kinds of things mm-hmm. i think the other thing that makes the pagan group a little different is that a lot of people there are really already living sex-positive lives. Mm-hmm. And so they're more open and conducive to more advanced workshops. Well, yeah. I think that people at Burns are, are very sex-positive, but I, I think it's in a, a different way. I think that, like at the pagan festivals, First of all, the age range tends to skew a little bit older, so people Mm -hmm. have a little bit more experience with their own sexuality, and particularly with the people who either like came to realize their pagan roots early on or people who were raised around it, they have been able to experience a lot of that because the pagan festival in general, not only is it like sex positive, but it's sex positive from less of a like party angle and like just kinky, sexy fun times and more like, uh, like incorporating it into their life. And it's not just, a thing that they do 
occasionally when they go out to these events, but it's just a part of their life. And, and one of the pagan groups, we have a trans camp and we have a rainbow camp, which is mm. gay and lesbian. Mm-hmm. And so you have different camps that mm-hmm. are family of choice oriented. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't see that at other festivals so much. Or at least the pagan groups we go to. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would also say that one of the other distinct differences that I've seen at the pagan festivals is we get a lot more regulars there. Like generally, mm-hmm. when people f- find comfort in what we do, we tend to see them every year, like as long as they're there. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, at, at the other festivals that we do, they just kind of feel out what they're feeling at the time. And we happen to be at the right place at the right time and they come and play with us. But that doesn't necessarily mean they'll come back next year, even if they're at the event. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other things with the pagan group is that with the pagan groups, we do workshops that really are scheduled and people come to them. Even some of the newbies will come to them, people that have never attended a pagan festival. And they attend the workshops and they're a little timid at first about coming to temple, but after they attend the workshop, it's like, oh, this sounds really great. I'm coming to Temple tonight. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that as much at the Kinkfest or at Burning Man. Mm-hmm. What I see at Burning Man is a lot of people, it's, it's more fluid in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not as scheduled and it's not as pre-planned. Mm-hmm. And I think both are very good processes, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. And different people like the schedule. Some people like the scheduled stuff. And some people like that spontaneity, mm-hmm. that kind of movement of, oh, this is going on. I'm going to go check it out mm-hmm. at the moment, not, oh, I've got to go to that workshop today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, another difference that I want to point out. Uh, It's not so like we haven't done flip side in a while and a lot of the uh, smaller brands that we tend to do these days like we tend to be like one of maybe like two or three kink camps Mm. Uh, but like when we used to do flip side all the time there's like 300 theme camps and like maybe like 10 or 15 of them will be kink related so or sex related or sex related yeah and so when we were doing flip side regularly uh, there would be like one area that was the red light district where like all the kink stuff was going on and when we would do that like everyone who was there was like highly, highly charged because they were surrounded by it with Mm -hmm. a lot of different flavors and they would come with 
a lot of different energies. And it, it was really, really powerful and really amazing, but very, very chaotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which isn't always a bad thing. A, a lot of times, that's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. And then this best event we went to was Texas Kink Fest. That's the BDSM group. And it's phenomenal because they had certain events planned. They had the train station, which was basically getting into a fuck train. <laughs> yeah, gangbang. Gangbang. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can, I, can yeah. I give some details about yeah. that? So the way that worked, though, was in a way it wasn't completely a free-for-all. It was, but what would happen? So there was a conductor that was the the person who was watching the scene and making sure that everyone was using condoms and that everyone was being safe, that no one uh, did anything that... uh, So the person getting fucked was the train. So they were making... The conductor made sure that everything that the train wanted, like she was getting and nothing that she didn't want was happening. And... So they walked around and talked to people and kind of vetted them. And if they felt comfortable with that person engaging in the gangbang, they gave them tickets to the train ride. And you had to present a ticket to the conductor in order to get a ride on the train. When they came up to me and had the conversation... She, like, had individual conversations about STI, like, concerns, things like that, what they expected, like, protocol-wise and, and like, safe sex-wise. They had gloves, they had condoms, uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff, like, everything that they needed. And so they did it in a way that was dirty and sexy and kinky, but also safe. Yeah, and also with full consent. Mm-hmm. They set boundaries and explained all that mm-hmm. before you could ride the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, some of the <laughs> events that they had, like, I know that we went to a, a workshop on using... Uh, suspension hooks, but like for the bedroom and like different ways that you could use suspension hooks in sexy ways. And like when, again, like when they did that, they went through an introductory course on safety and sterilization. One of the things I really like about Texas King Fest is there was a very like more than any of the other events that I've gone to, a big focus on safety and health risks and how to mitigate some of the health risks. Because when you get really, really kinky, like you have to be very, very aware of like how to do it in a way that's safe. And the kink community has always had safety protocol. And have discussions about 
informed consent and how to do things safely. And they do that. And at Kinkfest, they do have workshops and classes. Mm-hmm. And it's really powerful to learn before you jump in and do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's one of the things. And it's focused mainly on kink. I mean, we did a couple of workshops, one on sounds, one on play. chemical play, and one on psychosexual domination skills. And I talked a lot about psychosexual safety, and that was one of the workshops I did. And people got a lot out of this. Mm -hmm. And then they had several dungeons set up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kink Festival is definitely by far the event that we do that is the most focused on the work that we do, because that's kind of the whole point of the event. Uh, There's a lot of very, very experienced kinksters from all around. I know that there were several people here from out of state uh, that were there. And uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about it the most was getting to see the the different dynamics between people. uh, Because there were people there who were monogamous that enjoyed like watching stuff and only played together. There were people that had uh, pretty explicit rules for engaging with other people that mostly played with each other, but with the right kind of thing, they would play lightly with other people. There were people that would play openly with people in a BDSM sense, but like they didn't want sex mixed with the BDSM. So there were all sorts of different configurations. And I was really, really impressed by how I didn't see any consent violations. I didn't see anyone get upset. I didn't hear any reports of anyone going beyond what they were supposed to do, which was really, really nice to see in such a a big group of people that were all doing dirty, kinky stuff all weekend. (laughs) I think the other thing about the Kink Fest is that it does kind of envelop a lot of the old leather protocols when it comes to safety mm-hmm. and consent. And those are pretty well ingrained in the kink community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made it flow so well. But but there's also a lot of people there that are... I, I think that there was a good mix between like the old leather... Mm-hmm. Um, community and people that are newer to kink that don't like do all of the old protocols for people who aren't so aware of like the difference between like old school kink and old school leather and like the new thing like will you will you go into a little bit of the difference between the two things yeah an old school and you kind of have to go into the history of kink. Kink in this country started from people who had been in the military and became bike riders. 
and motorcycle riders. And they would do kinky stuff, but they followed a very strict protocol in a lot of different areas. And from these bikers, and these this was back in the 50s and early 60s, BDSM groups started springing up, especially in the gay male community. You'd start seeing leather bars, and they adopted these protocols because it provided safety. And back then, it was illegal. I mean, you could be arrested. So they had a lot of protocols that really had to be followed or you could wind up in jail, in prison. And then from that, BDSM just spread across this country. And now, because it is so widespread, a lot of the old protocols have been relaxed. Back in the day, you could either be a dominant or submissive, but you couldn't be a switch. And some leather communities, you had to start out as a submissive and learn the protocols and learn everything about BDSM before you could become a dominant. Now things are much more flexible. They still follow some of the old protocols, but not as strictly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the main big difference. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really like about being your sub and like learning from you is I think that you embrace both sides pretty well. Oh, I do. (laughs) Because you were trained in the old ways and certain things, a lot of like the safety things. And one of the things you taught me very early on is that it is generally best practice to experience something as a sub before you ever try it as a dom because Mm -hmm. you want to know where you're taking someone to. You don't want to push them to levels that you've never been to before because then you really can't empathize with them well. At least not from an experiential level. Yeah. And I think the other difference was... Back in the old school, you couldn't just walk up and talk to a sub. Mm-hmm. You had to ask the sub's dominant permission to talk to them mm-hmm. before you could talk to them and interact. Mm-hmm. Whether you were another sub or a dom, mm-hmm. you were the property of the dominant. Mm-hmm. And so there's very strict protocols about how you could act and what you could do and what you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that today in the BDSM community mm-hmm. as much. You still see much, yeah. a little bit of it. Yeah. And <clears throat> I would say that part is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I've seen it like work well, but I've also seen it be... There can always- be some miscommunications and some mixed... Mm-hmm. New school versus old school politics and stuff that can Mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. And I've also seen people use the old school protocols to be very controlling in Mm -hmm. a way that I don't think is healthy. Yeah, exactly. And I think 
my rule of thumb is I'll follow the some of the old protocols until I get a good feel, and then I can relax it a little bit mm-hmm. with whoever I'm interacting with. Mm-hmm. That's the safer way to go about it. Yeah. And I like some of the elements of the new BDSM mm-hmm. groups because it is much, you can be a switch, you can do a lot more flexibility in your play. Mm-hmm. And then with a lot of play parties and play events, there's usually a dungeon monitor. Mm-hmm. And anybody can go up to the dungeon monitor and go, hey, I want to do this. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And they'll give you the thumbs up or down. Mm-hmm. And usually at events, there's going to be uh, the event rules that can be different from one event to another. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to kind of check that out mm-hmm. and find out, okay, what does this group? Mm-hmm. And each group's going to have slightly different rules. So it's good yeah. to get to know what's going on and mm-hmm. what you can do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Because that's still pretty well preserved even in the new groups. Mm-hmm. Give them an example, like, what are the rules that we use in Aphrodite's temple, and, like, how do they differ a little bit from other rules that you've seen? Well, because we do sex mm-hmm. in Aphrodite's temple, I do require everybody to use barriers, even if you're fluid-bonded, because I don't know if you're fluid-bonded or not. Mm-hmm. And a young 18, 19-year-old may come in and see two people not using barriers and think, oh, well, they don't need that. I don't need to observe that rule. They're doing it. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. They don't know that couple is fluid bonded. Mm-hmm. So I require barriers for everybody mm-hmm. in Temple. I think... Some of the the other thing that I do in Temple, and because I run it, I don't allow drama. If I mm-hmm. see drama starting to come up with some people, I'll walk up to them and say, come with me, let's go talk outside. Mm-hmm. I'll take them outside and I'll say, this is a drama-free zone. You can do your drama later. Or you can do it now somewhere else and come back when you're done. So I keep Temple very drama-free. Mm-hmm. Some events, they don't really watch out for the drama mm-hmm. as closely as I do. Mm-hmm. If I hear no twice, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I will intervene. Mm-hmm. No means no. And too often in our culture, mm-hmm. if someone says no and they keep pursuing it, mm-hmm. They're not hearing the message, and they think they can talk them into it. Yeah. And that's not consent. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) I'd like to just uh, say that when Gigi says, hear no twice, that's like if there's a really hard no, if if it sounds distressed, Mm -hmm. we deal with that immediately. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It, it's just if someone is like, hey, do you want to play with me? 
and someone gives like a very like polite no, if that person goes up to them again it, and tries to ask again, and they say no again, that's when we need to intervene. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is that, unlike a lot of BDSM groups, mm-hmm. sex is a big part of the focus in Temple. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times people just do BDSM, mm-hmm. but it's openly accepted that anytime you want to fuck or suck or get into sex, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. But as long as you use condoms and it's informed consent. Another thing I know that we do, since we're a very <clears throat> like queer space and queer-friendly space, Anal sex is going to come up, and we require if you're going to do penetrative anal for people to do a douche beforehand because it's a safety concern if a mess gets made, especially on the equipment. Oh, yeah. And I think that's something that's pretty common with all the groups is that they keep sanitizers on hand and Mm -hmm. people clean before and after they play on the equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you treat it like gym equipment. Yeah. Or even even more so, I think, Mm -hmm. because when you're working out, you're just sweating. But sometimes we get into play that involves blood and semen and, Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. And so you don't want that transferring and... Mm-hmm. So it's a, a little step up on precaution. Oh my, we're already to station break. Time flies when we do this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want to start station break? So uh, there are several different websites that Gigi has that we do here. There is... GGWilber.com, that is G, the letter G, the letter G, W I L B U R.com. That is the website that GG uses for his sex coaching. So if you are interested in getting a more hands on approach to the kind of information that we share and more self-oriented if you have specific concerns that is a great way to like figure out those things and gg offers a 15-minute evaluation for anyone who's interested in sex coaching to kind of get a feel for like what you're looking for and trying to get out of it and for both of y'all to like feel out whether the other person's a good fit for that level of interaction there is also gg's original website which is raven ravens ravens layer leather r a v e n s L-A-I-R-L-E-A-T-H-E-R. On that site, you can kind of get a feel for some of the things that we do. 
You can find a link to our Patreon page. You can order one of the books and get a feel for the rest of the things that we do. Is the training still there or is it on GG Wilbur? Well, I took, I had to cancel my video, buying videos because. The service I was using was getting too expensive, and I wasn't selling enough videos. So I replaced that with doing a once-a-week training, somewhat once-a-week, unless we're at pagan festivals or can't do it. And that's on Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. I'll provide some of the training videos during that webinar, and then we discuss it and delve in into what's your takeaways what are you getting out of this how does this apply for you and it's very thorough and very involved but very amazing mm-hmm. we're just about to finish up body image healing which we have one more session on and i'm not sure what i'm gonna let everybody who's attending decide well, I think they already decided they want to do BDSM training for the next set. Mm-hmm. But it can be very powerful to learn some of the skills. I've got some amazing videos that I show a video, and then we discuss the video and answer any questions, do Q&A, and, mm-hmm. and really cover what's going on mm-hmm. and what people are getting out of it and what they learned. and. So it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then that brings us to the last website, which is ladyboytemple.com. Yeah. Ladyboytemple.com, which is our... Aphrodite's Temple. <laughs> is Aphrodite's Temple, but online. And that's how you can sign up for the different webinars and join us in the the virtual world if you can't join us in person. And on Aphrodite's temple, we've got a lot of information about sex temples in general, and then some of the information about the temple we run, and then we also have some of the rules and how to conduct yourself when you attend an event. Mm-hmm. And usually I list the events that we do live if you're in Texas or want to come to Texas to one of these events because you can do it either at the Pagan group or the BDSM group or the burner groups that we run Temple at. You have to purchase tickets for these events and don't get any money from it. We just run it at these events. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is, is that you can attend and experience Aphrodite's Temple Live. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it's quite an experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that covers everything for Station Break, mm-hmm. unless you have something else. Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, Bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. 
Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get back to our topic. They're talking a lot about the events we take Aphrodite's temple to and some of the things we do at temple. And I know that at temple, well, just at this last Texas Kink Fest that we attended last weekend, I had people come up and attend our workshops and I had my book with me and I said, yeah, this is the book I wrote and it's right out of the book. And they'd say, oh, can I see it? And they'd thumb through it and look at the table of contents and go, wow, you cover a lot of information. Where can I get a copy? So I think I'm probably, I told them, to contact me on FetLife. I'm Mistress Gigi on FetLife. Mm-hmm. And I've already gotten one that contacted me saying, where's the link to your book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, And we just got back yesterday so i'm sure other people will be getting back and getting unpacked and mm-hmm. will be in contact but i know a lot of people were, mm-hmm. were very interested in getting a copy of the book mm-hmm. i think that's one of the powerful things about doing the temple live is that we make some mm-hmm. amazing connections with people mm-hmm. and they really attend our workshops and they learn so much and and i like providing them i can see when i'm connecting with the audience all of a sudden they're kind of leaning forward and their body language lights up and mm-hmm. i can tell they're getting so much out of it mm-hmm. and i'm sure you've seen that oh yeah i <laughs> i assume it's okay for me to share one story from this weekend yeah as long as you don't give names oh uh, no i know <laughs> no names but for one of the demos that we were doing, it because of in, inclement weather, it got pushed back quite a bit. And the original plan, it was a sounding demo. And for those who don't know what sounding is, it's where you use different rods and they have like different kinds of shapes to put down the re- urethra. You can do it. Uh, for AMAB people or AFAB people, assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth people. And there's different things. And the original plan was for me to uh, do the sounds on myself while Gigi mm. watched. While well, there was uh, one couple of people that came up to me and had expressed a lot of interest as we were getting set up. And I was like, would you like to be the demo bottom for this uh, workshop? And uh, he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love that a lot. And I talked with uh, his dom, and, and I talked with him, and I like, told them a little bit about what I was going to do and showed them the things that I was doing. And uh, like it was really sweet, actually. His dom like helped me set all of the things up and set everything up very nicely. And then I did the, the demo with him. And with her, and both of them got so much out of it. He really, really loved it. And uh, the reason they were taking the class was because they had had a bad experience the first time they tried it. So, like, 
between like showing them the equipment that I used and showing them like how I did it and giving her a little bit of guidance and explanation of what I was doing. Uh, they both had a really great time and like I could see that like I really helped fulfill, fulfill both of them and even if there had been no one else in the audience that would have been a perfect workshop because a lot of the times like everyone in the audience might get a little bit but there's often like one or two people that you can tell you really really connect with and those are the people who like you are like really like helping to like grow yeah. and change and you open a whole new door for some people mm -hmm. and that transforms their lives mm -hmm. it's not sometimes transformations aren't super huge Mm -hmm. But they can. There's still transformations that mm -hmm. make a big impact on people's lives. Yeah, and that's not to say that the people that are quiet that don't seem to be enthusiastic in the moment. Like I've I've also had those people come up to me later and tell me like how much it meant to them. Like sometimes people just don't express that in the moment super well because sometimes when people are absorbing information like they look calm mm -hmm. i think another difference with some of the events we do mm -hmm. especially with the pagan events mm -hmm. i haven't seen this so much in burner community or pink fest or bdsm groups but i have seen it big time at the pagan community where People come into temple and for the first time in their lives, they become comfortable with being naked in mm -hmm. front of others. Mm -hmm. And that can be such a powerful transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just nudity. Like I I know that at, at one event in particular, there's someone who... I, like discovered their uh, desire to be an exhibitionist and like really really got into it mm -hmm. and it really really like charged them up a lot and i think one of the things we do at aphrodite's temple is that we give people permission mm -hmm. to let their inner child come out and play sexually mm -hmm. and and even explored a little bit of the kinky side. <laughs> mm -hmm. And another thing that we do is we take people wherever they are. Uh, if there are people who come into temple and it's just a big deal for them to be in the space physically with nothing going on. And then some people, like, it's a big deal for them to be there while, like, there's a workshop going on. And then there's some people that it's a big deal for them to be there when like temples actually happening. And like, maybe it's like light play. And then there's different levels. And some people who come into temple are very, very well versed in like what we're mm -hmm. doing there. And they're like prepared and like ready to play. And then a lot of people who come into temple are 
this is their first experience with anything like that. And we try to, like, adjust, like, where we are to the people who are there in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because we want to provide a welcoming space. We want to provide a safe space. We want to, like, help open up the doors for people. But we don't ever want to push anything or make anyone feel obligated to do anything that they're not comfortable with or even view anything that they're not comfortable with viewing. And we do take aims to give informed consent about what's coming up next in temples so that if people don't want to see needle play, mm -hmm. we say, okay, in about half an hour, we're going to start a needle play scene. Mm -hmm. So people can make up their mind. Do I want to watch this or do I want to go do something else for a while? Yeah. And so we, we do take an extra step to inform our audience of and the people that are participating, what's happening next. Mm -hmm. And usually I try to take the more extreme stuff and save that for a little bit later night stuff and keep mm -hmm. it light when Temple first opens. I think another thing I'd like to bring up that we haven't touched on yet, and we don't do this except in the pagan festivals, mm -hmm. is that we usually, well, we always do a some type of ritual mm -hmm. within Aphrodite's temple that's some type of sex ritual. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it may be just sex light, where it's like I'll do the non-genital orgasm, where nobody's touching anybody, mm -hmm. but everybody can experience this within mm -hmm. themselves, and I'll take them on kind of a shamanic journey mm -hmm. to experience an energy orgasm, which is different from a physical orgasm. Mm -hmm. And then other rituals, like the stag hunt, it's more interactive and participatory. And so that can be very powerful. We do mm -hmm. all kinds of different rituals. <laughs> Anything you want to add on the rituals that you've experienced in Temple? So, like, where as the workshops tend to be generally focused on, uh, like, teaching, teaching and, like, sharing knowledge and information, the rituals tend to be uh, more like the whole, like, group doing a specific thing for a specific reason. Uh, but a lot of people... When they think of rituals, they think of if you come from a religious background, definitely like more like somber and uh, like withdrawn and like like emotionally cold. We tend to do rituals that are more engaging, sometimes silly, sometimes challenging, but also like open and a sharing of energy. And so they have like different feels to them. And uh, like generally with the pagan festivals, the rituals that we do during, because uh, there's Beltane and Samhain. Beltane happens in the spring, Samhain happens in the fall. 
And so for Beltane, we tend to do like more energetic and upbeat and energy intensive things. And uh, with with Selen, we tend to do things that are very cathartic. Well, more cathartic yeah. and releasing. I wouldn't say somber. Somewhere. Sometimes somber. I mean, the okay. aspects of... Yeah. But it's not like the cold somber of like... Oh, yeah. A religious... Well, like... <laughs> Maybe um, it might help if more. I explain. Someone's celebrating the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And celebrating our ancestors and passing through the veil. Mm-hmm. And in pagan belief... Samhain's when the veil is the thinnest and you, humans can sometimes at least message across the veil and sometimes step across the veil mm-hmm. and experience things on the other side and still return here. <laughs> so it is a little bit more, and that, that's what I mean by somber. It's a little more respectful, maybe mm-hmm. a better word, of each other, and it's not that we aren't respectful at Beltane, but Beltane's more of a celebration of fertility. And in that sense, we're definitely more uh, active and higher up and mm-hmm. higher energy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Samhain's kind of a little bit of a lowering of the energy in some aspects. It's still mm-hmm. very powerful, but it's just a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost to the end of our show. My mm-hmm. goodness, the time flies. <laughs> Any takeaways or anything you want to add to what we've been discussing about Aphrodite's temple and some of the events we take it to? So the events that we're describing are just the events that we do. Wherever you live, there are probably things happening around you that you don't even know about. And luckily, we live in the time of the internet. We've described pagan festivals. We've described burns and kinky adjacent things. And so... You can look up the name of your state, and like most burner groups, there's at least like one burn every year in almost every state. But even if there's not a burn in your state, uh, most most states are smaller than Texas, so <laughs> it probably isn't too hard to get the next state over. And we actually get a lot of people from Oklahoma and mm-hmm. from Louisiana and yeah. from surrounding states that come here. We even get people from Florida that come here mm-hmm. for our regional burner mm-hmm. events. Yeah. So you can look up like what burns are in your local area. You can look up like different pagan groups that are in your area. Like as far as like the kink specific events, you might look through FetLife if you're on FetLife. Uh, with the kink specific groups, I might do a little bit more vetting. Other options that we haven't uh, described for 
queer men, especially like radical fairies, do a lot of different camping events. Uh, let's see, what are some other avenues? I know here locally, the there was a group, the Houston Leather Boys, which mm -hmm. was a gay male leather group. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're still around now, but mm -hmm. they used to do events. Mm -hmm. Then there is, uh, I forget what they call it, it's a spanking mm -hmm. convention mm -hmm. where you go and just, it's all about spanking, mm -hmm. corporal punishment. Oh, and then <laughs> there's the bisexual groups. And bisexual bisexual conferences. Conferences. And then there's also nudist groups. Mm -hmm. And often nudist groups keep sex away for mm -hmm. many of them. Mm -hmm. Some are more open to mm -hmm. sexual expression, but a lot are just, it's all about nudity. Mm -hmm. And then let's see, then there's lesbian groups that do mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Ren Fair. Yeah, yeah. There's Renaissance festivals that mm -hmm. I know locally, at one of our Renaissance festivals, there's a group that where they have a BDSM the bondage camp, camp. Bondage camp. So there's a lot of different events. Mm -hmm. I can't do them all. Yeah, <laughs> there's just way too many, even I, locally. <laughs> I, I I will suggest <laughs> it's a good idea to like before you go to a new event to meet people who. Go to the event, ask them questions, kind of vet them a little bit. Not every event is as safe as some of the events. We've figured out like the ones that we enjoy doing around us because they're the ones that we feel most comfortable with. <laughs> so you might want, and also one of the things I should mention, even at any of the best events, there are predators everywhere. Don't fully let your guard down, especially if you don't have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. If you're new to an event, I suggest going with a friend that is going to have your back and keep an eye on you. And if you separate from that friend, like keep like someone that you have met that you trust with you at all times try not to get separated or go alone i know i sound like you know a mommy but i i just want to look out for you safety cause, first because <laughs> you need to be safe and oh and paul you mentioned the word vet you want to mm -hmm. explain what vetting is okay so vetting is when you kind of what is it called when you when you like really start to do you mind pausing, I can explain part okay. of it. Oftentimes, when people have play parties, they require you to attend a munch first so they get to know you better. And if you know someone in the community that can vouch for you, it's really a vouching process. They want to make sure someone's not coming in that's creepy and it's going to be bad energy. So they do vetting. And that's what vetting's all about is mm -hmm. just kind of making sure that everybody's going to be safe. 
with those that come. Yeah. And also, like, the way that I used it, like, I also, like, think of vetting, like, before I really let my guard down in a new place, I'll kind of walk around and talk with people and get a feel for, like, how the community is and how much they observe safety protocols and how honest I feel like most of the people are. And if I see anyone that I really feel like is creepy, that other people are just letting slide on their creepiness. So it's kind of... um it's a two-way street. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, just accounting for for where you are and having people be able to account for you. And I think of it this way. Before I'm going to go in and get vulnerable and and play with people, at a whether it's BDSM or a sexual experience, I want to know that I'm safe and with good people. Before I get that vulnerable and open up. Mm-hmm. And they want to know that I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And so vetting is an important p- process mm-hmm. for both sides. For the new person going in and for the group you're going into. Mm-hmm. I, and also, another thing I should have mentioned earlier. If you're ever at an event that has a like at a like specifically a kink specific like either camp or event if there is someone who's running the show if you have a negative experience don't keep it to yourself go and talk to them Mm -hmm. say like hey this is the thing that happened to me because that's also how you take care of other people. Mm-hmm. I've run Temple that way. I've had people come into Temple, and and when I said, if I hear no twice, you're out, I don't just cast people out. Mm-hmm. I say, come with me. Let's talk for a little while. And actually, I don't throw them out at Temple. I just have a discussion in private and kind of hear each side and say, okay, What's going on here? I I noticed some reluctance and some pressure. What are y'all comfortable with doing tonight on both sides where you have common ground? Mm -hmm. And often that will straighten everything out Mm -hmm. where they can go and still play a little bit, but each of them aren't playing it with the exact expectations they came in with. Mm -hmm. And I say, that's a good starting point. And maybe down the road, you mm-hmm. can build enough trust and connection that mm-hmm. you can do the thing that you originally wanted to do on both sides. Mm-hmm. But for tonight, let's just play within the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, we don't talk about sex enough. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, especially women in our culture are, culturated to serve men and they're not supposed to say no Mm -hmm. and i say no you are in temple i expect you to be able to say no 
Mm-hmm. That's one of my rules. If you can't say no, don't come to temple. Come talk to me. We'll mm-hmm. work on that. <laughs> yeah. And then once you are able to say no, then come to temple. Mm-hmm. But anything else you want to add? No. I think we've covered out pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of alternative communities. And like Paul said, check them out. Don't just jump in whole hog at first. Get to know some of the people mm-hmm. and see if that's a good fit for you. Because I know when I started out, I got involved in a couple of groups that it wasn't so turned out kind of bad. But I kind of jumped in at first because I th- mm-hmm. my dick was hard. I was ready. <laughs> Take mm-hmm. the time. Put the brakes on a little bit. You'll take care of the genitals <laughs> in I, time, but and, take your time slowly. I, oh, and one thing I will say, if you find yourself in the, at an event that you don't feel comfortable at, not everyone will be toxic there. Mm-hmm. Meet the other non-toxic people, and maybe they can show you events that are not quite so toxic. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not just toxic. It's some things, some activities we're not ready for. Mm-hmm. And so there's a multitude of activities that go on at these mm-hmm. events. Some are like extreme. And I know they did a Texas Kink Fest live stage show, which was very extreme. But he so- gave, yeah, several. But each of the performers gave fair warning ahead of time and said, there's going to be blood, there's going to be pain, there's going to be this going on. Mm -hmm. And so it was giving the audience time to process and make up their minds. It's informed consent for the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to sound like this is real scary, scary stuff, because there's a lot of events that went on that were, oh, well, in my book, tame as a lamb or Mm -hmm. deer. I mean, honestly, Um, the pagan events that we go to are fairly tame. Oh, yeah. It's a Texas kink. I mean, I couldn't get away with doing some of the things they do at Texas Kink Fest at a pagan event. (laughs) So that's, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the differences. Mm -hmm. Some events are a little more tame Mm -hmm. and some are like massively extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that pretty much covers this show. I think so. Well, I really did want to share a little bit about what we do at Aphrodite's Temple and the flavor of some of the different events we do because they are different. Each one's different. And I mean, I'm kind of giving some generalities here. There's always the exception. And sometimes things I've seen temple get pretty wild at pagan events at times, mm-hmm. especially late night. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of different things. I think one of the other things I meant to mention earlier, it's in the pagan group that I get 
requests from time to time. It doesn't happen very often, but for a couple to become hand-fasted and draw down the sun and moon, which means they consummate their hand-fasting with witnesses. And it's a very beautiful ritual. But hand-fasting is one of the rare things that happens, and it only happens in the pagan festivals, but it's a very beautiful service. <laughs> and on that note, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore your body. Explore your sexual body. Bring about those pleasures of the flesh. Experience it fully. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.